Let's do that hockey. Welcome to Dover Prospects Report. This is report number 35. I'm Victor Nuno, one of the co-hosts here. And with me, as always, is Peter Harling. How you doing, Pete? Terrible. I'm doing terrible. Thanks for asking. And, and I think you know why. Oh, I do I? I think you do. Because last week we went head to head in the DPFHL and I was I was on fire. I was way ahead. And and then not. In fact, I <laughs> I think the the tweet went something like, Hey, we're head to head this week. I currently hold bragging rights, exclamation point. Uh-huh. And I, yeah. was like, I jinxed I was it. Like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I was looking at the schedule and I was like, I have a lot of players going like my best players going this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I think it went it went something like eleven to four you yeah, to like yeah. eleven to four me. It flipped yeah. completely. What a rally. I was very disappointed. That's what you get for bragging on a Wednesday <laughs> for a weekly head to head match. Uh, I learned my lesson. I feel shame. Yeah. But also you had just made that trade to me as a retooling team, so it also kind of made sense. Yeah, I don't mind losing when I'm going for a draft pick, but you know, I wanted to beat you at least, especially after a trade. Oh well. That would have been funny if you had gone the retool route and then whooped me the next week, that same week. But it didn't happen. No, so, no. And it wasn't very funny how badly I lost. <laughs> there there were several categories that were only by a small margin, though. It wasn't like it wasn't like they were all blown out or anything. Right. Gold goaltending categories really, really tipped the scale. Because I don't think you had any goaltending points. Mm-mm. And then you won like all of them. I had zero and then no, actually, I think you, I think you won one of them, but I had no categories, no stats at all. And then Ottinger had a good game on Saturday and Flurry had a good game on Sunday and basically won most of them for me. It was. So if I would have made that Flurry trade, maybe this, maybe the story would have been different, huh? <laughs> huh? Yeah, I think we were, we were haggling over a pick and I was like, nah. And yeah. then I kept him and he did well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Anyways, in today's report, we're going to talk about prospects that are in the AHL making some noise. And to do that, we're going to bring on our guest from Dogger Prospects himself. And that is Cedric Blade Turcotte. I can't say that Frenchy enough. Sorry, buddy. Before we get started, we want to remind you that Dogger Prospects Report is a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. We're very excited to be part of the army of fantastic hockey podcasts. Please check out at HockeyPodNet for all the shows like this one from Talking Hockey fantasy to team coverage to you name it you can also use the DraftKings promo code thpn for listening to this show more on that in a bit and the dpr show is also sponsored by fantrax it's the ultimate league manager for dynasty any sport you play it's customizable completely for however you want to set up your league from scoring to categories to a good amazing draft room draft picks and trading treasury option and so much more use the code the link fantrax.com forward slash dpr show to sign up for a free league. And before we get into the content, I also wanted to mention some of you listened previously when we were setting up our Dauber Prospects Report listener leagues. We have a few of them, one with Peter, one with Evan, one with myself. And we had a couple people who had some changes in their schedules and priorities. And so they needed to leave their, they need to find a new GM or placement for their team. So if you're interested, go ahead and hit one of us up Probably me, though, since I'm the one that's usually doing that and I know who the other people are and I can show you what the teams look like. And so definitely reach out. The league fees already paid for this year, so you'd be stepping in for the year and then conceivably 
from from that point forward. So freak out if you want to take a stab at it. All right. So now let's get into the AHL conversation with our guests, Cedric Delays Turcotte. Cedric, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, man? It's great to have you on. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Yes, uh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I hope you're doing fine also. Always, always. It's getting close to that that magical time of the year, the World Juniors. So yeah. we're all looking forward to that. There's some preliminary rosters named recently for a couple of the countries. So, you know, that that's getting the World Junior juices flowing. But we're here today to talk about the American hockey. You do some coverage for as a Dopper Prospects. You do the monthly article there. And you've given us a, a, a list of players who have caught your eye and who are making some noise. So I'm really curious to pick your brain on some of these guys. If everyone's ready, let's get into it. First guys we want to talk about are a couple of Texas Stars players. We'll start with Logan Stankoven, one of the, the most promising prospects I think there is coming down the pipeline in, in Texas. He's 36% <clears throat> fan tracks rostered, so that's actually surprisingly low considering his pedigree and what he's done, where he was drafted, his junior stats, his world junior performance. As a rookie in the American Hockey League, this is his first year as a pro, he's tied for the American Hockey League in scoring with 26 points through 19 games, or at least that's what he had yesterday when I prepped for the show. That's 1.37 point per game. And for the mathematically challenged, he's on pace for 98 points this season. That is pretty impressive for a rookie. And it's it's so impressive that it makes me think that he's not going to play the full season in the American Hockey League. You really have to tip your hat to the Dallas Stars scouting staff, though, right? Like the recent draft results have been pretty impressive. They got Wyatt Johnson with a 23rd overall pick, and he went straight to the NHL. They've got Logan Stankoven here, who they picked 47th overall, and Maverick Bork, 30th overall. More on him in a bit. And in 2017, they had a draft haul that consisted of Heiskanen, Ottinger, and Robertson. That's a pretty amazing draft for one year. So, you know, the Dallas Stars are a team that I like to kind of consider to be a, a, a contender for the Stanley Cup. I think they're a pretty solid roster right now. And they, they've got more stars coming down the pipe here, pardon the pun. L Logan Stankoven, in my opinion, has just really simply dominated Kind of at every level that he's that he's shown so far. I mean, he was amazing at the Canadian Hockey League and the WHL. He was a standout at the World Juniors on the top line for Canada and instrumental in their gold medal win. I mean, he's been outstanding in the American Hockey League. Like, how close do you think Stankoven is, and and how high do you think his ceiling could be? Yes, to to me, he's really uh, close to being an NHL player. You cannot, for me, you cannot talk about Stankoven without talking about his line mate, Mavic Bork. But if we concentrate on Logan Stankoven, the HL rookie of the month of November, it's just be amazing this month. Uh, he, he has a, some exceptional end. He digs, he can dig everybody on the ice. Uh, he has an accurate shot. Uh, something that surprised me when I watch him play is he has two completely styles of play. When he played at even strength, he's more of a finisher. He will get pass from Maverick Bourque and he will score goals. But when on, on the piece, really rely on him, on him to be the play driver. So he will have the puck. And I'm an Avs fan, so I, I know more about Avs player. But in the NHL, you can compare it to Suzuki on the, on the power play. He will be on the right side, right so shot, and just setting up his players. 
and it it will be soon that we will see him in the NHL. I hope that we will see him with Maverick Book that we'll talk about later. But yeah, he is close and he is coming fast. Yeah, he is a pretty dynamic player. He's not the biggest guy, but he's got a really high motor. I really like watching him play. He is not afraid to be hard on the forecheck. And he's really strong on the puck for, I mean, I've only really, I haven't seen him play in the American Hockey League yet. And so him being strong on the puck against junior competition is one thing. But how, how would you say his, his physicality and adaptability to the pro level has kind of looked for him so far this year? Yeah, I, I mean, his stats prove that he, he has adapted really well in yeah. the AHL. He, for a, a small guy, he's not that fast. So he needs to be physical uh, to, to set up plays. And he, he, like you said, he isn't afraid. And he, he does use well his body. He's not the biggest, so we cannot expect him to uh, to uh, to just hit people left and right. But he, when protecting the puck, he will not lose it because he's small. Yeah, I'm going to talk about the next guy that we already teased, but I just want to follow up on Sankoven because I love this player too. And I think what you said there is really important, the even strength versus power play. And I think it kind of speaks to something that I think is important about Sankoven, especially for a smaller player, is that he can generate offense in different ways, right? He can score, he can make plays, he's got a great motor. I think that's just going to really help him translate to the NHL, which is, which is pretty exciting. And I think if the stars weren't so dang good, he'd probably be up there right now but they have a really competitive roster. And I, I think the same might be true for Bork. You know, we'll just get into him now. So he's, we already teased him 23% rostered. And it was a bit surprising, I think, last year that we saw Wyatt Johnston take the spot that some people thought Bork would get, but he went down to the AHL and had a really solid season for himself, 47 points in 70 games. I actually wrote about Bork at EP Ringside a couple of weeks ago about some really good value that you could be had there. Uh, and that was before he was having such an awesome <laughs> breakout to this season. It it looks a little even more reassuring now. 26 points in 19 games so far for Maverick Forks. It's looking really, really good. He doesn't really hit or block much, but he's getting 2.6 shots per game, which is up from last year. He was only at two last year, so that's good. And he's rocking a 53% Corsi. He was actually really good in his rookie season too, above 50%. And I think Bork, like Stankoven, would probably be in the NHL right now if Dallas were not a contending team, maybe if they were much worse. So what do you think about that, when we might see him, and what have you seen from Bork this season in the AHL? Yeah, a big part of Bork offense comes from Stankoven. They are line, mate, line mates uh, in the AHL this season, and it really took a, a step up this season in production, at least. Uh, What's drive his play for book is a strong hockey IQ. Uh, he has he, he's so intelligent in the ice. He, he will find players. Uh, he is obviously a playmaker, uh, and he is strong defensively because he know where the puck is going. So he goes there before the the other players. But uh, if I go back to your question, yeah, uh, he is close to the NHL, and I hope. Uh, for Dallas, that maybe they call them both up, and maybe they put a player like Joe Pavelski on their on their uh, left side or something like that, just to help help them because they are they have so much chemistry together. I have a stats for for you this season when they are together they have they are thirty one goals for 
12 goals against. And when Bourg is alone, without Stankoven, it's two goals for, six goals against. Obviously, ice time play a role in that. Uh, we don't have ice time for the AHL. I don't know why, but <laughs> don't ask them. Um, so uh, it, it just there's just so good to get together that I hope for Dallas that they call them both up. But with Dallas wanting to win now mode in the win now mode, you cannot obviously pray for that because they will obviously just call one if they have space for him. Cedric, do you think that they'll have success independent of each other or is one or the other guy kind of dependent on them being paired up? Like if one gets called up and one gets left behind, will you, will you see, like, let's say Bork gets called up. Do you think Stankoven will maintain his production or vice versa? If Stankoven gets called up, do you think Bork will go cold? I think uh, for production, for the offense, uh, Stankoven will be better alone than Bork alone. Defensively, it's another completely job, but Logan Stankoven is the play driver on this line, is the, the main factor for the offense. That means Maverick Bork alone will produce, but not as much. He's not a point-per-game player, I don't think so, alone. Well, let's move off from Texas, and there's other teams that we want to talk about. Dylan Gunther is an interesting case. Tucson Roadrunners player, an Arizona Coyotes prospect. He's got a pretty decent Fantrax roster ship of 38%. I feel like he's been around longer than he has. Um, he started last year in the National Hockey League. Maybe that's why. He played about half the season there and then went to the World Juniors and played for Canada and then finished the season in the WHL. Now this season, he's eligible to play in the American Hockey League, and, and that's where he's played. And you know, he kind of struggled offensively in the National Hockey League. He did great at the World Juniors and and in the WHL. And so far this year, through 20 games, he's got 17 points, which is very good for a rookie. So obviously the AHL is is where he belongs right now. I think that's the right place for his development. I, I'm not sure that he's ready for the National Hockey League yet. And I'm optimistic that he will be given the the production that he's had right out of the gate and the AHL as a rookie. So the stats look good. What's the eye test tell you? Like, is he a play driver in Tucson? Is, is he looking like a better than average American hockey league player? Yeah, absolutely. He, he is right now our first line player in the AHL for sure. Uh, but his place is still in the AHL. Uh, I know that Arizona doesn't have as much depth, in their player pool right now. I I think they are in the playoff spot or near one uh, now, but uh, they don't need Dylan Genter now. In the AHL, he, I know that in the in the WHL, uh, he was more of a sniper, uh, but his role in the AHL is more of a playmaker. He, he, he is a play driver, a big flashy winger that can dig player, Average defensively, he doesn't have a problem defensively, uh, but he, he does have a great shot. But for some reason, he preferred to pass it. He seemed it really seemed like he preferred to pass it. Uh, that's not a bad thing, uh, for sure. But he, he is definitely a play driver. To answer your question, yeah. I wonder if that's a, a coaching thing or a confidence thing. If he lacks the confidence to to shoot or if the if the coaching and player development staff is is encouraging him to expand his playmaking roles like we'd like saying to him dude we know you could score let's 
let's make some plays. I mean, that's not a question that you can answer. You're not on the <laughs> you're not on the coaching staff. I'm just thinking a lot. I'm curious about that. One thing I will ask you about him though, what what do you think the difference is that he did for his game that's maybe holding him back from the NHL? Like obviously he's succeeding in the American Hockey League. He looks good there. What's he lacking that's holding him back from from the NHL in your opinion? I, I think it's like many many young players. This is just constant. See, sorry, my English went off. It's just, it's just that he, he has some great games, some bad games, some great shifts, some bad shifts. He just need to be consistent all the way through. And uh, when you will find that, I think it will go in the NHL. Then, good luck, kid. All right, let's talk about another guy, Alex Turcott. And he's 20% rostered right now on fan tracks. And he was taken fifth overall way back in 2019. And he was part of that awesome 1819 USNTDP team that had Jack Hughes, Cole Caulfield, Trevor Zegers, Matt Boldy, a bunch of other guys too. But Turcotte, things haven't gone quite as well for him as it has those other forwards. I think you could very easily say he's had some injuries for sure, but also the production and the translation of his production hasn't really happened as he's risen the ranks and maybe he was always miscast as a more offensive player on that stacked offensive team and maybe he was always going to be more of a middle to bottom six player I don't know about that maybe you have thoughts but this season in the AHL he's finally kind of turned things on turned things around you might say 18 points in 20 games 13 of those are assists but he's looking a little bit better Cedric what can you tell us about this post-hype sleeper Alex Turcotte yeah, it was one of my biggest surprises this year in the AHL. He he really impressed me. He was so good in the in the games I watched from him. Um, he's not like you said. He is a fifth overall pick, a guy from the the states. Sometimes you have a stereotypical uh, way of thinking about them, like a flashy offensive player. But he's not that. He's really really not that. Uh, his game are it comes from defense. He is a speedy guy, but he, he really excelled in defense. He created a lot of turnovers because of his speed. And he used his speed well in transition. He passed the puck to a player in the neutral zone, and his teammate gave him back when he had enough speed to just go by the defender. Uh, and in the offensive zone, you will almost rarely see him with the puck. That's a good and a bad thing in his type. But... He is the type of player that will be in front of the net. Not a prime, a comparison for not a prime, but a now Joe Pavelski, a guy that is front of the net, just tipping, tipping puck right and left. When there's a turnover, he, he came and uh, he will took the puck away. But like you said, they have such a deep prospect pool that it kind of feel that he will not flourish them there because it will not be better than Byfield. They have Kapital, Dano. They they have too much good player at center. It's a really good thing for them, but not a good thing for Alex Turcot. So what happened with him, it's maybe a, a good trade piece that maybe he goes to another team. And if he goes and, and do what I think he can, he will be a great second second line center the guy on your first PK on the, the power play, maybe in front of the net, a 60 point guys. I expect that if he is traded or he, something happened and he, he can be a, 
successful in LA. Kind of a risky, risky proposition to hold on to a prospect and the hopes that they get traded or moved to another organization. Yeah, I, I hope it works out for them, though. Another player I think that I think Turkos trending in the wrong direction, a player I think is trending in the right direction and that I'm really interested in, in learning more about is Philadelphia Flyers prospect Samu Kumala. I'm probably saying that wrong. I love Finnish names, but they're tricky to pronounce. He's only 5% <clears throat> rostered on fan track. So there's a, a lot of ownership opportunity with this prospect. And here's probably why. Despite the fact that he was a, a 2021 second round pick, 46 overall, which is pretty decent pedigree. Since the draft, he's played mainly in the Liga. And his stat line has been bleak, like three points in 40 games over a couple of seasons. Is, is pretty brutal. And he's gone like up and down between the league and some of the junior leagues. Produces well at the junior level. It, it, he was loaned last season to a team in the Mestis and, and he popped for 46 points in, in only 29 games. So, you know, he's proven that he has some, some offensive upside. He's just, just been invisible at the, at the, the legal level. And I, I haven't watched any league games, so I don't know what his, ice time or line mates or deployment was like or what his role was on that team or if he was getting any minutes whatsoever so that that could have a lot to do with it but he's in the american hockey league this season and looking right as rain he's got 18 points through 21 games albeit 13 of those those points are assists so he's not he's not scoring a lot of goals but he is producing offense and, and generating some points so basically this is a player that scored everywhere outside of the Liga. So do we now like his fantasy upside after this small but promising sample size in the American Hockey League? I would hold for uh, Samu Tuomala. I also pronounce it probably wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> in it, Liga can be a really tough league for a young player. But I'm not sure about him. I see him. I understand why he produced points. But one warning for him is definitely that you talk about his 13 assists. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, six or seven of them are secondary assists. So that's, for me, advanced stat guy. I, I really like them. It's kind of a turn off on him. But he, he, he is not there for making assists. He's there to score goals. He is a two-way two sniper. He, he really has a good shot. I, I put in my note a heavy shot, like he put all his weight in his shot. But when you just have your shot, your average or maybe above average in the other categories, I have difficulty to recommend this player for a fantasy owner. But you never know one, two, three years later in the AHL and maybe you have a, a second line player, but I would not hold the spot for him right now, at least. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it is a small sample size. He's got a lot to to prove, but he is still pretty young. You know, a 2021 draft, he's got a couple seasons under his belt now. So, you know, I, I would give him the full season in the American Hockey League before I, I invest him in or, or pass judgment on him. So we'll see how he goes. But yeah, those those 13 assists and most of them being secondary is, is a bit of a red flag too. I mean, just just be on a on a lucky streak. So I'm looking at Instat and I see them as even. So um, even primary and secondary. So I don't know. Maybe there's some discrepancy there. I'm not sure. So, anyways, 
I, I don't know, but that's that's what it looks like to me. Anyways, I, I also wanted to just mention that you were bringing up the Finnish production and just a, a little plug for my other podcast, Fantasy Hockey Life. We just talked to Chase McCollum, who does some data engineering over at EP. And one of the things that he talked about is that in leagues like Liga that don't score a lot, production, especially if it's minimal, you can have varied effects, right? Because because scoring is so minimal, you know, just a couple of points in one direction can really skew your results as opposed to like in the CHL where there's lots of scoring. There's a there's less variability in terms of what you kind of know about the prospects. So I don't know. I'm not saying that means anything necessarily one way or another about Tumala, but it is kind of interesting to keep in mind. The AHL is another league that also tends to not have as much scoring because it's a difficult league. So he's been in basically all these difficult leagues to score in. So that might make it his assessment a little bit harder to identify. So difficult one there. One that may not be as difficult as we transition to the next guy is Joshua. And Joshua, 22% rostered. He's been a rapid riser in the prospect ranks since the Canadians absolutely stole him in the fifth round in 2021, I would say. He his production exploded in the queue and he was a big part of two World Junior Championships for Canada. One of those few that wasn't a first round pick and was much, much later, but had a really prominent role. I think a lot of the skeptics, including, I think, me at times, were saying, yeah, let's see what happens when he turns pro, though. And well, so far, so good. He's been looking pretty good, at least production wise. 18 points in 20 games for the Laval Rocket. Cedric, what can you tell us about Joshua? Yeah, uh, Joshua Roy, uh, the thing about him for me is he, he doesn't have a standout skill. Uh, if we compare him to uh, his teammate, he doesn't have the hockey IQ of a Sean Farrell. He doesn't have the great shot of uh, Emil Heinemann. But he just produced points everywhere he goes. So you, you must take that in account because what, what a player is if he doesn't produce points. Uh, with that said, he does have above average ends, I would say, and above average and. He, he does do a great job of setting up his teammate. He can be a physical playmaker, but he can just dig you and you don't know where it comes from. Uh, so I, I really like him, but I'm not sure if it's because he has a abs player or because he, he just produced point. Uh, with that said, I think for the, the abs, they need him. They need him to be a complementary player uh, for some of their other prospects but uh, we will have to wait and see he, if he continue to produce point I mean there's no problem there but all right my next guy is actually currently no longer in the American Hockey League that would be Isaac Rosen he was just recalled from Rochester up to Buffalo they've got some injuries 16 percent Rostered on fan tracks, so more opportunity to own this player, and he's currently in the NHL, as I mentioned. So he started the year with the Rochester Americans, and he's got 19 points through the first 16 games there. So he's well over a point a game. Called up, hasn't scored a point. Unless he scored a point against Detroit, I think he played last night, but then he's still pointless. Then he was playing on a line with 
Brandon Biro and Victor Olofsson in a fourth line capacity. He did get some power play minutes, though. I watched some of that game. So it looks like he may need some more time in the American Hockey League before he's ready for a prime time. But this is a guy I think is, if he's not in your top six, then I'm not really sure what his value is on his roster. Talk to me about what, what you see the upside and, and maybe how long before he's before he's really looking NHL ready. Yeah, I will have to, to say to you, Pete, I'm not totally in accord with you. I do believe he has potential for beyond a bottom six line because in the AHL, he played on the first power play and on the penalty kill. So he has that. Sorry, <laughs> I lost my word. He can play everywhere. He is a really great skater. So maybe that just need that. You, you put him on the line with two other great skater and maybe producing the NHL. But for, for now, I would, for, for him, I think he, his place is still in the AHL. I think he is maybe a year out. If he can just be, create less, he, he does make a lot of turnovers. So that happened. And I think if he correct a bit that, he can become an NHL player, but for now, I do believe he's an NHL uh, AHL player. Sorry. Yeah, well, he's he's way ahead of where I kind of had him valued at the start of the season, and I'm, I'm glad we got you on because um, you know we looking for the expert opinions as opposed to my casual viewings. So that's interesting that you think he's more more NHL ready and, and two way and more versatile than than I thought. Uh, yeah. So that's that's interesting insight. Thanks very much. Yeah, it, it, for real, is skating is such a great skater that I think you will need that in an NHL lineup. So that's for uh, the reason I say that he can be on every line and the penalty kill, obviously. That is great to hear. I have also, count me in the camp of those that have been skeptical of Isak Corsen, but it's good to hear. And actually, one of my EP ringside colleagues wrote a really nice story, not necessarily about his production, but about his journey through North America. I mean, I can't imagine how tough this is for these kids to come over, you know, when they're teenagers and play in Rochester, you know, like completely foreign towns that aren't always super big and, and maybe a little bit you know, difficult in a lot of ways. So I'm, I'm rooting for the kid. I hope it works out. Light the lamp with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The the next guy I wanted to ask you about is Daniel Gushin, the 2020 third round pick by San Jose. He's 10% rostered, one of the lowest on this list that we're talking about. I think it's funny because I think he has more upside than some of these other players, but he's pretty low rostered. It's also been a minute since he was drafted. That's probably part of it. I actually wrote about him on EP Rinkside. And in case people are wondering, all my articles have like a bunch of video tweets. If you're interested in seeing like what they actually look like, that sometimes can be hard to find. This is his second pro season is Gushin's in the AHL. And last season, he had 45 points in 67 games. I think that was super impressive considering that Barracuda team was bad. I went to a few of those games. They were they were bad. <laughs> he was but one of the few players who actually did anything offensively most nights. And that was that's continued so far this season. 15 points in 18 games. Been a little bit better, I would say. He got two NHL games, had an assist in one, tried a really cool through the leg shot. 
that didn't go in, but he's a, he's a really crafty, fun, creative player. And he is a bit smaller. He's only 5'10", but he's not like your pure offensive guy. I, I find him to be very kind of a high motor guy, pretty good defensively. I have a couple of clips of him breaking up some passes, including one where there was a tap in backdoor and he just got his stick in the way and knocked it, knocked it aside. So he's not like one of those liability guys defensively. So that's a little bit about what I think, but I want to know what you see and what you think, Cedric, about Daniil, the goose, Gushin. All right. I, I'm curious to know more about your opinion on him because in my viewings, I saw the complete opposite, a pure offense guy. In I have a few clips for you that uh, Gushin is on the ice and he doesn't move in the, uh, in the defensive zone for more than 30 seconds. Uh, it was... For me, it was really bad in my viewings. Uh, maybe it's just a bad stretch and his head is uh, elsewhere. But based on that, uh, I saw him like a really elite offensive skills, uh, a type, probably one of the best offensive sk uh, skill set that uh, we'll talk uh, today about. He, he, he is such a big play driver, a great play driver. Uh, he can create from nothing. Uh, but uh, for me, the defense was a big question. Uh, I, I saw him just not skate back in his own zone. I saw him do a lot of things that I really wasn't impressed with him. Uh, so to me, the because the Sharks doesn't have the deeper prospect pool, uh, he can, unlike Turcotte, he can flourish in that. He can find ways that maybe it was just a couple bad games and he can change that things up. Uh, but in, in my uh, article I wrote in November, uh, in for his defense, I compare him to Priest and Le Cup Ovechkin with the, the, the meme we all saw that Ovechkin was uh, not skating and the controller disconnect. I was comparing to that. It was that bad when I saw him. But uh, like you said, you, you watch some, maybe it was a bad stretch. So uh, I will be looking for that uh, in, the next, uh, in the next month for sure. Well, I think it's it's a good point. And I think it actually, I think in some ways we are in accord. I think that his flashy skills both ways are obvious, but it's inconsistent, right? He makes really good offensive plays, but sometimes he forces things. Sometimes he doesn't make the easy play. He tries to thread it. And same defensively. Sometimes he's just inactive or sometimes he isn't recognizing things, but he does usually try and sometimes he makes the really cool play so that's what you that's what i remember but that isn't always that isn't every part of the shift right and i think that was something that quinn did talk about when they sent him back down is that they want his effort to be more consistent and so it's like he has these flashes but it's not enough to only do that sometimes right and even though the sharks are well they've been playing better lately but they, it seems like they could use him. I think they want him to just earn it the right way and be consistent throughout. So I don't know that we fully disagree. I think it's it's a good point. Like sometimes you just remember certain plays more than than the whole, you know, I think seeing the whole picture is very important. So that's great that you have that context. Uh, I think it's why this discussion is so important. You You talk and maybe you figure out that it was just bad games that you saw and 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 that, but it it creates a discourse that we can both went off and but like you said, we do not disagree completely. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but yeah. Yeah, good times. I uh, maybe I'll make it to some more games. We'll see.
Things are busy right now. Let's move on to the blue line. We're going to first talk about Simon Nemich, and he is 60% rostered. I think that's the highest I saw uh, of all the guys we're talking about. Second overall from 2022. That makes sense. I think he's one of the highest drafted players we're talking about. And he had a solid rookie season. Solid rookie season with Utica came straight over after being drafted from Slovakia into the AHL. 34 points in 65 games last season. This season, he's been pretty good already. Eight points in 13 games, looking really solid out there. He was called up after the injury to Dougie Hamilton. He had two points in that first game against the the Sharks, which they insanely lost badly. I, a couple of those were actually, I thought, quite lucky and not really necessarily him him driving the play but but hey he got a couple points that's great for him what do you think and i should just also say i've been a known skeptic of nemich in terms of a high point producer i think he's an awesome skater i think he's gonna be a great defenseman i think he can already skate at the level he's shown that he's playing in the nhl right now as we speak so that's not the issue i i kind of just wonder about the offensive upside like he's is he gonna be a 50 60 plus point nhl defender i think that's where Maybe the rub lies, but I'd love to hear your insight from him, what you saw in the AHL and what maybe we can expect rest of the season in the NHL because it looks like he's going to get a shot there. Yeah, he's definitely a weird one because he played now in the NHL, but in the AHL, he wasn't on the third pair. So it's kind of a bit odd for him. But yeah, I, I'm, I agree with you. He will not be the high-octane offense guy. He, he loves to do those quick passes. He doesn't like to hold the puck too long. That's a good thing because when you're young in, in, in the NHL, uh, it can be stressful for uh, holding the puck for too long. But he, he likes to get the puck, give the puck, get the puck, give the puck. Uh, I, I, in my viewings, I don't think I saw him once hold the puck for more than five seconds. So... Uh, with that said, I think he would potentially be a 40-point guy, but I don't believe it would be. Maybe if on a really good power play and he is on the first power play unit. But he, he is an amazing defenseman. He will be, I think, a first pair of D-men, but he, he just won't be the I-elite, the Kel Makar, the Quinn Hughes, and all that. All right. Next player up is another Tucson Roadrunner prospect, and that is Victor Soderstrom, 15% fan tracks rostered, which is pretty low for an 11th overall pick, but that's from way back in 2019. So his, his fan tracks rostership is on the decline. I don't, I don't disagree with that either, quite frankly. He's got 50 career NHL games played, but he can't really seem to stick or, or break into a full-time NHL role, let alone a top-four role. He's played the entire season so far this year in the AHL. He's got 11 points through 20 games, which is pretty good for a 22-year-old defenseman. I mean, it's not great. It doesn't scream, I, I demand to be in the NHL. I think time's starting to run out on Soderstrom and and I think I'd be pulling the shoot if I were a fantasy owner or, you know, and getting whatever I could in return. Are you seeing signs of life here, Cedric? Are, are you a fan? Would you be would you be acquiring him in a trade? Like is a buy low or can we call him a bust? I don't think we can call it a bust now, at least. And I would buy low on him, depending on 
how much roster space you have, obviously. But yeah. he is a, a really good offensive defenseman. And maybe that's why he doesn't stick in the NHL. He is really prone to turnovers. Uh, he, he just doesn't get it defensively quite yet. He does use, he does his uh, great skater. And he can be useful in mainly uh, in preventing zone entries. I, I find that find that it was he was really aggressive in the preventing zone entries. But I get it why you could be off him because offensive defenseman without a great shot because that's not him. He doesn't have a powerful shot. It can be off. It can off some people off him. But he is a playmaking defenseman, and maybe there's something in that, but I don't see him becoming uh, the first pair defenseman that the Coyotes hope for when they draft him. I think his best his best window to get into the National Hockey League at this point is he's going to have to, and quite quickly here, reinvent his game. Kind of like the way Eric Brandstrom, uh, Ottawa Center's prospect, has. I mean, this is a guy when he was a young, high teen, early 20 player, was was considered to be an elite offensive prospect in the same kind of conversation and caliber as Quinn Hughes and Cal McCarr. And it's just it's not it's not come to fruition. But he's making his way into the NHL, not by being that player, but by being a more reliable defensive player. He's turned out to be pretty good defensively. And I think that might be where, where Soderstrom needs to go. He needs to make himself a reliable defensive player change the expectations on his offensive ceiling, but he still has skills and the chops to not be a liability offensively either, right? Like he doesn't have to figure that out. That that'll always be there for him, which means that, you know, if he makes it to the NHL, it won't be the same sort of fantasy upside that I think a lot of people were, were hoping and banking on when, when they selected him in the first rounds of their, or their prospect drafts in, in 2019. You, can you see that as a, as a potential avenue for him as like a maybe a best case scenario? Yes, great comparison, Pete, for that. Both Swedish defensemen right. from with a similar career path. Yeah, he, he, the offense will always be there for him. But if he can just reinvent his game, like you said, I think it can go a really long way. And Coyotes need him. They they just need players like that. So if he can do that, maybe it's a big piece for the their future at four third four defensemen uh, that can be on first power play because he, his offense is still there but he will need to to do something to to up his game yeah they've been a bad team for a long time and you know they they can't having first round picks that flame out is is not going to get them out of the bottom of the league and out of draft lotteries <laughs> all right so Maybe we saved one of the best for last. We'll see. Brant Clark, he is the last guy we're talking about. 24% roster, drafted eighth overall by the Kings in 2021. He had a very weird season last season because he played in the NHL, in the AOHL, and at the World Juniors. He was kind of bounced all around. The most he played was in the OHL, including a really strong performance in the playoffs. So that was nice. Got some consistency there. He was also really good at Canada for the world at the World Juniors. But I think it's been helpful for him to just be able to focus on one league and one system. This season, he's been in the AHL, 20 games, 20 points, 15 assists, five goals. It's been pretty nice. I think that's kind of helped him. The numbers are kind of ridiculous. He's playing 24 and a half minutes time on ice with almost five minutes 
per game on the power play. 56% Corsi. The hits aren't very high, just 0.3 per game. I don't think he'll ever be a big hitter, but 3.7 shots per game is really nice and almost two blocks a game, 1.85. I don't know that we ever thought of Brant Clark as a huge peripherals guy, but those blocks are insane. So that could be really good for those of you who like that high peripheral floor. Rob Blake has to be hearing Clark bang the door down in Los Angeles, or at least getting close to that. So what do you think, Cedric, about Brant Clark's progress and whether we might see him soon in the NHL. The other problem, like other teams we've talked about, is LA is quite good. And so they he has a little bit of a tough time cracking that lineup. Yeah, maybe I have a hot take on him. Because I when I went to saw him, I was I have high expectation because he was a high draft pick. Uh, and when I saw him, I couldn't believe it. But he isn't ready for the NHL. I don't think so. He he has the offense and he has uh, high potential he can be a great fantasy pickup. I do believe people should pick up, pick him up. But he he, he is prone to turnover also, it, which is not uh, that uh, surprising for young a uh, young defenseman. But he 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 gets caught uh, quite often not protecting his, himself. He turn around on on players that he shouldn't, and I just. Remember one play where against Tucson, uh, he just turned his back on the player and just get demolished. And you cannot do that in the NHL, uh, mainly in the West against players like Gudas and, and players like that. So that's kind of a warning sign because you don't want him to be injured, obviously. So if he can just correct that, I think he can be a great player in the, in the NHL right now. I want to see him protect more himself and and be uh, a bit less aggressive in the ozone because he pinch a little bit too much and maybe goes too deep in the offensive zone sometimes. Uh, but if he can just correct that, and I don't think it can be a long path for him. I think it can be a month or two and he just learn on the fly. But if he can just find that, he, he could be a plug-in in the, the Kings lineup and in the playoffs. Yeah, he started last season in, in the NHL. I think they had some some injuries in Los Angeles that opened the window for him. And when they got healthy, he got squeezed out. And maybe he wasn't like ready to sustain the good start that he had. But I remember listening to Rob Blake in an interview on the radio or somewhere. And you know, he was he was really impressed with his play and you know made it sound like he's in there. He's in their long-term and immediate plans. I, I think there's a, the window of opportunity for him is is wide open and he'll be stepping through it soon. And I think he's going to be there for, for a long time and a good time. Yeah, he just needs to get the junior out of his game. Yeah, lots lots of kids do. So let's, let's, can we squeeze in one goalie? Got time for that, everybody? All right, so there's one, one guy, a Kingston guy, no less, I wanted to, to ask you about. And, you know, we talked all about quite a bit about zero G strategy when we talked about our listener league and that goalies can, can be a little bit late bloomer, kind of come out of nowhere. And, you know, you can pick them up on the waiver wire through the season. And I think this is a player. He's got a three percent fan tracks roster ship and it's another Tucson Roadrunners prospect. And that would be Matthew Balada. He's kind of making some noise this season in the American Hockey League, I think. So. 
the background context on him. He's a third round pick by the Kings in 2017. And he's played in, in the American Hockey League with Ontario. And his, his entry-level contract expired, and, and the Kings did not renew him. I don't know why. And he signed as a free agent by Arizona this past off season and was, was sent down to, to Tucson, and he cleared waivers. You know, so there's that. But since getting to the American Hockey League, He's been sporting a, a 10 5 and 1 record with a 234 goals against and 926 save percentage. Sorry, Victor, I know you like fancy stats and goals against and save percentages aren't very fancy, but that's my speed. His play is, uh, has been very good, and his stat line across the board is right near the, the top of the league in all the goalie categories. He is only 24 years old still, which for a goalie is early in their development path still has you know some time to establish himself as as an nhl goalie he's never played an nhl game yet but it sounds like he could be starting to you know show that he's ready for for a look is this a player that you think is like a sleeper prospect that listeners could be either making a waiver claim on depending on how how deep their league is or at least putting him on a watch list yeah goaltender is really hard uh, for prospect Mainly, uh, it's magic bean. You never know what you're getting in. Vilata is... The thing about goaltender is, I was a goalie, so you, the technique you use, uh, it's, it's, if it works for you, it works for you. He's a big guy. He, he played deep in his crease, which is good against one-timer and, and, fast, and fast passes, but it can lead off to uh, being vulnerable to snipers, which in the AHL, maybe I'm too hard on these kids that we talk about today. It can be uh, easier because uh, not all are snipers. Uh, and when he, he will go in the NHL, because I think he will play in the NHL uh, sometimes pretty soon, it can be when you play against a Matthews or Ken, it can, you can pick up corners. You can have trouble with that. So I would like him to just be a little bit less deep in his crease to be more facing his shot. But I, I think Zona has a great potential goaltender. I'm not sure it's a first uh, elite goaltender. I don't think so. That kind of statement can bite me in the ass uh, soon. But I, I think he, he will play in the NHL. He can be a sneaky pickup on the waivers. Maybe a Coyotes fans can pick him up. I, I would not recommend for not deep fantasy owner to pick him up, but you you never know. Uh, you have magic beans. Maybe it's a it can be anything. Yeah, we we've seen it before from other guys. I'm you know I'm looking at you, Jordan Bennington, and and right now Alex Lyon. There's been guys that have been look like career American Hockey League players and then get get a chance and run with it. So it'll be interesting to see if he ever turns into one of those guys. All right, that's all the players we have talked to you about, Cedric. We've we've gobbled up plenty of your time tonight. Thanks very much, man, for for coming on the show and let the listeners know where they can find your work and and follow you on social media. Yes, they can follow me on uh, Twitter at this and on Double Prospect. It's pretty much uh, where uh, I work for. I'm in the university presently, so I cannot be all time in that, but I try my best. 
Hey man, thanks very much. It was it was nice to, to cyber meet you, and maybe I'll run into you in a ring sometime. Yes, I hope so. All right, thanks, pal. Mailbag question. So we got some mailbag questions. Thank you to our listeners in the Discord. The first one comes from Felix, and he wants to know your biggest way too early surprises of the rosters for the World Juniors. And what do you what do you think, Pete? You got anything about that? Not too much. I haven't really had an opportunity to pour over the rosters. I saw Team Canada's preliminary roster, and I haven't really like dissected who's who's missing. But one player that was on there that I was like, "Huh," is the Kingston Frontenacs and Chicago Blackhawks prospect Paul Ledwinski. I mean, I like Ledwinski, but if he's on Team Canada's roster at the World Juniors, I don't like their chances. I think that's one of my biggest takes is that I'm looking at these rosters and I don't think Canada is the favorite. I don't even think they're no. number two. I no. think Sweden looks really good. Yes. USA looks really good. Yes. I don't know that anyone else looks better than Canada, but they look closer to some of those other teams than Sweden and US. And there were some interesting choices. I I know the the politics of who gets picked in in Canada hockey Canada are always a little bit interesting. I don't I don't hear as much of that probably as you do, but it sure seemed like they were galaxy braining a little bit perhaps and some kind of somewhat obvious choices didn't get on there. So that's interesting to me. This kind of ties into another question. Jordan asks, who do you expect to skyrocket from the World Juniors this year? And I mean spoiler alert, we are going to do a whole show on uh, several shows actually probably on the world junior uh, prediction and rosters and all that so we will we will get into a ton of that that's after next week's show but i have some ideas i don't know if if you do pete hit me well one of them is undrafted goalie for sweden hugo havelid who's the twin brother of matthias i think it's matthias havelid the sharks defensive prospect the thing is that hugo is 510 so he's short but he's really good and he was really good at the last world juniors and he's probably going to be really good again. And someone's probably going to draft him and maybe he'll turn into the next UC star. That would be cool. I have some other names here. Easton Cowan. I think, you know, he has been a riser ever since the, the latter half of last year. And then the Leafs took him and he's just been kind of continuing to, to kill it. He's an interesting one. Connor geeky for the Wenatchee wild, right? The of the WHL, he's looking better and better. I've never been a huge believer in Connor Geeky, but he is kind of finally coming around. He's a big dude, and you know, maybe it's taken him a little longer to put it all together. I also like Canada's Michael Buckinger. He looks a butchinger. He's I don't know that he's gonna get all the offensive minutes, but I think he might show people why he's a more exciting prospect than maybe they were ready to acknowledge. I think Zeev William is going to announce himself to the world. I think those that have watched college hockey have seen how dang good Zeev William is, and he's going to, I think he's going to really open some eyes for the Americans. Isaac Howard is someone who, I don't know that he'll have a huge one, but he really needs it. And he had a kind of rough last year. It's been better already this year. Yeah. And he, he may do more. And he's a lightning prospect, so he's got wide open field to take <laughs> to take a role with the lightning. Rucker McGroarty, we talked about him previously. He had an injury, and he's been out actually since then, and he's hoping to be back by World Juniors for the Americans. So that would be really good, and and that would just be great to see him back and and doing well. 
And the last one I would say is Frank Nazar. Frank had an injury last year, missed most of the season and and had a tough time getting up to speed, but he looks like he could be really good still. And that would be the stage for him to just announce again that he is a top prospect. And you know, I would love that Chicago because you just him. I would love that because you just traded him to me in our <laughs> in our listener league trade or no DPFHL trade. And yeah, I was higher on him than in his draft year than where, where he was where he was drafted. So and the injury really, I think, derailed his development. But I think this could be this could be a coming out party for Frank. At least I'm 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 rooting for it. Yeah, some people talked about some omissions for like USA, like Quinn Musty, which kind of people are like, oh, it's because he plays in the OHL. I'm not really sure that that's why. I think that there are six or seven better versions of Quinn Musty already on the team, so I don't right. think they need another one. And there's there's some other guys that you know maybe were a little bit surprising, but I think they're so stacked in their top two lines. You know the USNTDP guys from last year that are at BC are already great, and then you know you have your the the old you know the Gauthiers are going to be there and great and probably align already with with Snugrud and McGrody. So it's like there isn't really a whole lot of extra space for those type of you know purely offensive guys. So. I, to me, the most of the snubs that I've heard so far haven't been too eye-opening. Now we'll see because there's still roster cuts to be made, and there could be some interesting cuts there. The last question, Evan, do you want to you want to read this one, or do you want to have me read it to you? I'll read it from Volume Shooter McGavin pre NHL. How do you think about players drafted late that go on to outperform their colleagues in respective leagues who are drafted higher? I'm noticing them looking at NHL E. So many players have now great, now having great seasons like NCAA Denver's Jack Devine, who was taken, I believe, in the seventh round. He was taken in the seventh round by the Florida Panthers. And he is drastically outperforming recent first round picks like Ryan Leonard. Is Devine the better long term bet because he had the, the more recent success, or do you think teams will still pass over Devine because they still don't believe he will translate? Now, this question isn't specifically about Devine, rather, it's about guys taking that late. They have a big you know, boost in stats after their D1 year. Should you throw pedigree out the window and just go with the best producers? My opinion on this, Devine's playing, what, his, thir- his third year at Denver this year. You know, Le- Leonard's just one season off the U.S. National Development Team putting up 51 goals. You know, Leonard's off to a decent start with 17 points in 16 games. You know, you know, scouts are paid to project, you know, what these players are going to be. For every Cole Caulfield, there's... I mean, there's a, a Jimmy Vesey, you know, it's it, just because you're, you're putting up great numbers in college doesn't mean that you're going to actually, you know, project well to the pros. I mean, go down the list of the past 20 Hobie Baker award winners, and there's maybe, I don't know, five to six of them that are, have really found NHL success. So I, I, you can't really look at those numbers, I, I would say, uh, you know, I, I think Leonard will project better. And like I said, he's, this is his first year as a freshman in college and Part of the biggest, the you know, the biggest part of your development years are between 18 and 22. And Devine is obviously two years ahead of Ryan Leonard. So I, I think Ryan Leonard obviously projects well. Uh, there's a reason why these guys go in the first round compared to the seventh round. So uh, I'm not too worried about looking at those numbers and thinking that I, I do think Leonard does have the better pedigree. And that's the kind of player that I want to roster on my fantasy team and on my if I was a GM for a real hockey team, Peter, what do you think? 
Yeah, I think you'll always find outliers in in every scenario, right? You'll have guys who have great pedigree that are drafted in the first round and flame out. And you'll have other guys who are undrafted or get drafted as an overager in a late round and and make it. And, you know, the the team hits a, a lottery win with a dart in the seventh round. I think what you're looking for and what scouts are looking for, and as fantasy scouts, for lack of better definition, what you want is consistency in their progression right guys who have like great blips in their production that they don't that they can't sustain maybe there are some circumstances for for why they had a great season or maybe there's some circumstances for for why that production dried up um whatever those reasons are you're looking for players that that did it at junior did it at the world juniors, do it in the playoffs, do it in the American hockey league, do it in college, whatever route they take that, that they have that constant trajectory in, in, a, in an upwards direction. I think that's what you want to, to count on, right? That's what you can rely on. And every once in a while you'll, you'll get burned by that. You'll have a player who, you know, has a great overage season in junior and signs a contract as a free agent. And then, and then actually plays in the NHL and, and is good. I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but there are, but there are some, and it's lots of college players too. And, you know, I, I like to gamble on these guys because you can, you can acquire them without a draft pick usually in your, in your fantasy league, right? You just sign them as a free agent, throw them on your, your prospect bench. And you don't have to wait long to find out if, if that's, if that's a good gamble or not. And then you've got guys who go in the first round of a draft and you might have to wait three or four years to find out if, if they're going to continue to develop and, and play into your fantasy roster. So, so my take on that is it can go either way, hedge your bets and, and try and get guys who, who have a, a projectable development path. What do you think, Victor? Yeah, I, I totally think that it matters what they've done before, as, as I think you've kind of said, and whenever you see a guy popping off like this, this is why context and eye test and so many other things matter. He's at a really, he's on a really good team, Jack Devine. He's a, he's a really good team at Denver and he's surrounded by some really good talent. Now that doesn't mean that some of this isn't for real. That doesn't mean he's not taking a good step because his, his equivalencies have gone up each year, but I don't know that it's realistic that it went up double, which is kind of what's happened so far. So I think you always have to understand context. Like, is there a legitimate reason or, you know, is he, is, is the talent pool around him super high? Is there some opportunity that he's getting? Maybe he's looking into a bunch of secondary assists. You also ideally would have the ability to look at how many shots and goals he has and what the shooting percentage is. All these things kind of matter because oftentimes there is some unsustainable production going on. And, and it's really helpful to just look at, well, what have they done in the past? Most of these guys who do this, who have literally not much equivalency and then absolutely pop off in their junior or senior year, do not become relevant fantasy assets. Most of them do not. So I know this question wasn't strictly about Leonard versus Divine, but in no way, shape or form would I ever trade Brian Leonard for Jack Divine. I think that that's very short-sighted and I would really want to see a longer track record of someone doing this before I would buy into it. And that might mean that I might miss out on some guys that are legit, but I think that's far less likely than you might, especially in the case where someone is really close to their draft and, you know, hasn't give you any reason to show so far that they're not, 
you know, so great. I think that what Leonard has done so far has not been nothing but reassuring. So there's no reason to, you know, dump someone like that or, or trade him. So <clears throat> I think the track record and especially looking at previous seasons, you want to see that increase year to year. You want to see that next step. You want to see that trend. And I think all that context and eye test really matters too. You have to blend all those together and not just not just rely on, on the equivalency. All right. Well, that's pretty much the time's up for this episode, everybody. Thanks very much for listening to Dauber Prospects Report number 35. Thanks to our guest, Cedric Blaze Turcotte, for, for joining us on the show, talking to AHL prospects. For feedback on the show to chat with us, hit us up on Twitter at DPR underscore show, at Farling, at Saber91, and at Victor Nuno 12. Don't forget to follow the Hockey Pod Net all the cool shows that they have subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening, go ahead, hit like, hit share and five-star reviews. We won't mind. That's it for this show, everybody. Thanks very much for listening. Keep your stick on the ice. Grace, she passed away 30 years ago. They want you to say grace. The blessing. Let's do that hockey.